the multi-award-winning Niall Boylan podcast, live every day and available for download from all your usual platforms. Niall Boylan has been told to shut up from the time he was in school. But all through his life, they just keep telling him to shut up, but not anymore. Because now he has his own live podcast. They told me to shut up. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text on 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. If you want to complain to the boss, just send a... (coughs) Hold on. Wait. Niall is his own boss. So best not bother. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. For clarity and her husband, they're both swingers, and they're polyamorous, that means they can have multiple partners, and she trained for three years in Los Angeles for her work as a dominatrix. So not only is she into it, but she also teaches other people how to be into it, so to speak. And she joins me in the line. Clarity, good evening to you. Hello, Niall. Long time to speak. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you again, Clarity, and thank you for that wonderful experience we had on television together. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It so did I, actually. It was a great time. Yeah. It's good that we can appreciate each other's opinions, you know, even though they might always not be the same. I mean, I think we had a lot of commonalities, uh, but I think there was one or two bits and pieces, particularly the polyamorous bit that I wasn't really into. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, give yourself time. Okay, so to to remind people, so you're an educator, so you're not just into this kind of stuff, dominatrix and all that kind of thing, and we'll come to that in a minute, but you're also an educator because... There's big money in this, of course, because this the kink industry, as you say, is worth $25 billion a year. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the sex, toy, sex toys and alternative sexual subcultures is worth billions every year globally. Yeah, it's a huge, huge industry. Mm. And I've been in the scene and the lifestyle for 20 years and been an educator for more than half of that. Yeah. Okay. So you're And you're also planning to launch your own thing, which is kinkify.ie. Uh, what is kinkify.ie? It sounds extremely kinky, by the way. Can I just point out the name itself suggests it is. But what, what, is yeah. kink, what is kinkify.ie? Kink, well, it's kinkify.me. Yeah, it does what it says on the tin. Basically, it's a uh, <clears throat> excuse me, multi-vendor marketplace, which is like an eBay or an Amazon for sex toys, as well as events. So it takes kind of the feature that Eventbrite has, where you can buy event tickets Okay. Uh, for different types of sex parties globally through the platform. Oh, okay. Okay, so how big is the market? So I said a few minutes ago, when we look at people on the street or we watch Ant and Deck on television who are family entertainers, we don't know what they do Mm. in the bedroom because we don't know what anybody really does in the bedroom because people keep it to themselves. So when we think of something weird or something a little bit fetishy, we think, I must be the only one who thinks like that. I'm a weirdo. I better not say it. Isn't that the way it kind of is? Now, um, now, actually, it's massively prolific and as far as how many people participate in the scene. It's estimated 10 to 20 percent of any population is active in the air quotes scene or a lifestyle in any given country globally. Now, when you say so, the, theme, so, the theme or lifestyle, is this dressing up in leathers and whipping each other? That would be a piece of it, right? That's what people in Hollywood have conditioned us to believe it is, is, is you know, whips and chains and yes, mistress and all of that. Uh, because that's the the sexier part that makes it into a lot of movies and, and mm. Hollywood references and so forth. But 
when I say the lifestyle, there's lots of different aspects to the lifestyle. We we break those parts of the lifestyle based on what type of play people are interested in. So impact play, you know, spanking people, whipping people, et cetera, would be a type of play. But there's lots of other ones. Okay. Ones that people would be familiar with would be like role play, et cetera. You know, that would okay. all be under that umbrella. When we were on the TV, we talked about the pain aspect. So let's go back to spanking, right? And yeah. that that's one of the things that people are, the kinks that people are into, spanking each other or whatever. So how do you differentiate pain between, or differentiate between pain and pleasure? Because it does hurt when you spank somebody or you hit somebody or you choke somebody. And we talked about that on the show as well. Or pull somebody's hair or whatever it is. Those things hurt. So how do you ignore the pain and feel the the, the pleasure? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you look at why people would do this kind of behavior. And the answer, I'm going to get a little nerdy with this one, is a parasympathetic nervous system response, basically like a runner's high. The mind becomes very poor after a while to differentiate between pleasure and pain after a certain level of endurance and starts to blur those two together. So pain is like the salts in the caramel. It makes the sweet sweeter. You don't add salt to caramel to make it salty. You add it to make the sweet more intense, more heightened experience. And that's in essence what impact play or that type of play does for people sexually is it actually intensifies the feeling of pleasure and can be a reward in and of itself without even having penetrated P&B type of sex. Okay. A, a really, it's a real experience, yeah. So as an educator, people, can, can I point mm-hmm. out, by the way, you have a day job as well, by the way. You're a techie. I do. Yeah. Nerd. Yeah, you're a nerd or a techie. So you have a really good day job too. So is this is kind of, this is your spare time stuff, but you actually make money out of it as well. So somebody comes yeah. to you and they come to you with a weird kink. I don't know. I mean, g- give me a weird kink. Uh, there's all kinds of kink. Let's pick a uh, sophistication as a fun one. What's that? Sophistication. So men who like to be dressed up like women and humiliated. Okay, so so somebody comes to you and they go, okay, I want you to dress me up as a woman and humiliate me. Um, Mm -hmm. Where do you start with somebody like that? I mean, do you have the clothes there? Do you put them on them? Do you start, you know, calling them names? You're a tramp. All those. I mean, where does that start and how do they get used to that? I mean, do they have to come to you for a few sessions to get them used to it or how does it work? No, usually by the time people have come to see me, they've been fantasizing about their kinks or their fetishes for quite some time. And they're looking at a way into it to work on it with with myself or work on it with their partner. Oftentimes I'll teach partners, so like husbands and wives, and I'll teach wives to dominate their husbands. So in those kinds of scenarios, they'll come and they'll be like, you know, look, I, I'm interested in exploring specification. And with that kink, there's usually a lot of other, there's a constellation of other kinks they might be into as well. So it starts off always like every session with a, with a conversation first. And I'll meet in public, have a coffee, try to understand what's at the core eroticism for them. Okay. Um, okay. And, and what they're actually interested in doing and, and then start from there. Um, so I usually provide the, 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 the props, the, the outfits, props. all of that. Myself. Yeah, okay. And what's the weirdest thing somebody's asked you to teach them? Um, or have you ever have them. you ever refused anybody and said get out of my house right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, that's probably the better question. Yeah, there's a few kinks that I won't do. For example, scat or hard sports, which involves feces, vomit, uh, blood, bodily fluids in general. Okay. I'm not really into personally. I kind of you thing. know I just can't get my head around why anybody would want somebody dumping on them. It just to me that doesn't because <laughs> the, firstly the smell would be 
be a problem. So why would, why would somebody want... I mean, you're saying these are kinks, okay? I get the spanking. Mm. I get the dressing up. I get all of that stuff, right? But somebody's shitting on somebody else. I mean, why would somebody want that? It doesn't make any sense logically. There's, no, there's nothing yeah, I mean, sexy about that. You know, I think what it is, is at the core of it, it's taboo. And taboo can often be easily eroticized. And you can look at this like, so yes, feces is disgusting. And I, I believe so as well. But there's, it's not, and it's not a terribly common kink, thankfully. So I don't have to tell a lot of people no. <laughs> but <laughs> mercifully for me. Although, I mean, I did get a funny message a while ago and said, I'll give you a hundred quid if you shit in my mouth. And I said, no, honey, you're going to have Add a few more zeros before we get talking. Like three, four more zeros, and we can talk. Well, okay. If somebody wants to give me a million quid, I'll shit in their mouth all day. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> but, it, yeah, exactly. For the right money, anybody will do it. We, we can all be bought, as they say. I mean, the other thing as well yes. that you talked to us, and when we talked together, you talked about this idea of a polyamorous yeah. relationship. And mm. I said to you, I couldn't understand it. And I thought it was disrespectful to the family. Now, of course, I was coming from a family point of view. If you're single, it doesn't really matter, right? But this idea of sure. a polyamorous relationship where, you know, a husband and wife have multiple partners. They may even have kids. And I just thought it was kind of weird that you'd want to. Surely somebody is always going to be your favorite. Somebody's always going to be the one that you love. And then the cuckold, I imagine, is the one that's sitting there watching, which is the one you love, watching you, you know, off having sex with somebody else. I just don't know how anybody could do that. Do, do you get, yeah, a, do you get mean, a kick out of watching your partner having sex with somebody else? Absolutely love it. I'm a, but I'm a voyeur and an exhibitionist. That's like one of my personal kinks. So I enjoy it immensely. But are you not jealous when, not- you, when you're watching him and you're watching another girl giving moral sex or something like that? Are you not jealous? No, not at all. I mean, I, again, I enjoy watching. I find it incredibly erotic for myself as well. Mm-hmm. And I think is, is I think it? A, sorry, uh, sorry for interrupting you, but is is polyamory is it dangerous to the in the sense that you know you might actually be in a very loving relationship, and then all of a sudden this polyamory comes in, or the suggestion of polyamory comes in, and then all of a sudden you think, oh, this other girl that I'm with here, I'm actually, you know, she's better in bed than my own wife, you know. <laughs> I think this is important differentiation is a lot of times in Judeo-Christian society, we're raised to believe that love and attraction and sex are finite commodities. They're not. Fantasy, the difference between fantasy and desire is fantasy is what turns you on, what you wink to. Desire is what you actually want to do. And you can have fantasies and that, and that overlap with desire, which is I want to watch, I want to have a threesome with my husband. But I don't want to, like, you know, take somebody home and adopt their children and make some <laughs> weird Brady Bunch type of family. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a big difference between those two things. And it's being able to set out and compartmentalize, which humans do all the time. We do it naturally. It's, it's actually, I believe, kind of more evolutionary natural to how humans were. We lived in communal you know, societies, we, we, we weren't monogamous for most of our existence, like contrary to popular belief, like we lived in these like kind of hippy dippy communes as cave people. And so this idea that jealousy is a natural experience for everybody just treats love and attraction like it's a finite commodity. I'm never going to be the hottest but, or the best. Okay, well, when, you say, when you say it treats it like a finite commodity, I've always said there's two different types of sex. The sex with some mm-hmm. random person, which is just mechanical. And I'm not saying for a single person it isn't fun. Of course it is. You know, if that's what you want to do. Far yeah. away. But there's also sex sure. with somebody that you love and you're married to or whatever it is. Okay. And that's different 
it, it, it really is different because it feels different because you really mean it and you're you're becoming intimate with that person. Intimacy in a relationship with somebody that you don't really know is not the same because it's not really intimacy. It's just sex, isn't it? It's it's a bit raw. Well, well, let's unpack that then. So like when you first meet your partner, your spouse, like there's certainly a time that you're having sex with them before you're actually in love with them, right? Or are you saying you're not having sex until you're in love? I don't know. Well, I see it was difficult for me because I genuinely <laughs> yeah. believed I loved my wife the day I met her. Ah, oh, that's really romantic, actually. That's really sweet. <laughs> so, so I, so from that point, I did love her. So, but I, yeah. I, I don't believe. Okay, so let's talk about somebody else then. Let's say they meet somebody and they're dating right. them for two or three months, and that the word love hasn't yeah. even been mentioned, and they're probably having yeah. sex. You're right. At that point, it may be just sex. Yeah, it is, and. and but I think once you is love there, somebody, it's different, isn't it? You're you're sharing a part of your body. You're experiencing something very special between two people. Yes, but and I guess the the, the presumption is that like polyamory or ethical non monogamy is I prefer that term because it's a broader umbrella. Lots of things are encompassed underneath ethical non monogamy, and I think that you're looking at it like, okay, this person is not my person anymore. But that implies ownership. Like I own them or like they owned a piece of me or I owned a piece of them, which is never true. We don't own our children. We don't own ourselves like most of us. (laughs) And I I believe that people who like live in this space, like I've seen, I've seen polyamory and kink save people's marriages. I've seen them save people's lives. I've seen them like do a lot of work that therapy could not do. I'm not prescribing it in lieu of therapy. I'm not a medical professional. But I have seen it do tremendous transformative work on people's lives and their relationships because it decouples this idea that you belong to somebody else. You belong to yourself. Your experience is your own. Your desire is your own. And it can enhance that. I don't don't believe anybody belongs to anybody, but I think you do deserve exclusivity to somebody if that's what you require from a relationship. And also, I believe when it comes to your children, you may not own them, but you are their guardians and you have a duty and a responsibility to make sure you protect them and make decisions on their behalf until they're 18 years of age. Yeah, absolutely. But but certainly your partner's of the age of 18 years of age and then they can consent to whatever kind of weird freaky kiki shit you want to do, right? Well, well yeah, but, but okay, I'll come back to the weird freaky she- shit in a minute, okay? But in relation yeah, to mono- yeah. monogamy then, so where, yeah. what's the future of monogamy then, if that's your view of it? I mean, is it, does monogamy have a future? I think so. I always think so. I mean, there's plenty of people who are monogamous on the swing scene. For example, they're exhibitionists. They want other people to watch them, but they don't want them to get involved. There are plenty of people who are monogamous on the kink scene, and they only play with their partner. And they just like the community vibe and the friendships and the camaraderie that it builds. So I don't think there's a death for monogamy at any time, and I'm not advocating against it. But I do think that there's another way for where monogamy doesn't work, you know, after you've had multiple children. And a lot of times, like the people I work with have grandchildren. You know, I work with a lot of elderly couples Mm. and, you know, one has prostate cancer, the other has a hysterectomy. And then the doctor gives them a pamphlet, like, good luck, lads, with your sex life. (laughs) You know, you can't do it. Here's a pamphlet. Here's a pamphlet and a a pump. That'll do the job for you. (laughs) On on your bike. Yeah, good luck. Okay, but, but, you know. I know you're from Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, you, you are from Los Angeles, aren't you? Originally from Los Angeles. That's right. That's correct. Okay. So do Americans still have a different attitude towards sex than Irish people? Or are we getting there? 
getting there. That's a great, that's a great question. Yeah. We're Ireland is definitely getting there. It's, it's recovering from the Catholic shame hangover, which is massive. I mean, if you talk about sex education, which we talked about a lot <laughs> when we had our WeChat uh, with Virgin Media and sex education has come a massive way here in Ireland where nobody had any education whatsoever. Condom usage, STI rates in Ireland were the highest and fastest growing proportionally in Europe in the 1990s. Still high, still high, by the way, still very high. Still, still, still very high, but improving. And if you talk to like Gen Z folks, that like kids in Ireland today, their understanding of consent and polyamory and gender and sexual orientations is so much different. I say the difference between Gen Z and their parents' generation is the difference between our generation, Niall, and our grandparents. Like you guys have done two generations of work in one generation. It's really, it's come along really quickly. Well, I think Ireland has developed very quickly. Okay, let me get to the kinks and the other stuff as well, okay? And the weird shit. All right, let's get to the good stuff. (laughs) No, I wasn't. I wasn't wasn't getting to the good stuff yet. We're coming to the good stuff. (laughs) Okay, so, okay, do, do you think Irish people are all right with, you know, masturbation, vibrators? I mean, what you call it? Oh, that movie, um, Fifty Shades of whatever it was that that, yeah. that that kind of opened women's minds up in Ireland because I believe per head of population more books were sold in Ireland than anywhere else in the world so that was because we were coming out of that as you called the Catholic handcuffs or whatever it was right so more yeah. women now suddenly became or started to embrace their sexuality they were born again they were awakened women if that's what you want to call it and they were running out and buying yeah. vibrators like they were going out of fashion and so do you yeah. think that we've come a long way when it comes to the use of sex toys yeah massively actually there's a few i gotta do a few plugs right now of the three irish sex toy companies that i love most of all uh eden's temple x uh it's eden's temple.com Lace and Tassels.ie and Sex Shopus, Shopus spelled the Irish way, S I O P A dot IE. They're three massive online retailers, and I love the shit out of them. They have really great kink gear as well. Mm-hmm. Mad promotes to them. And they grew massively like every other sex toy company during COVID. Well, I'm looking at some of the stuff on these shops, right? And some of it looks great, wonderful, okay? And I look at some of the other stuff and I yeah. go, what in the name of Jesus do you do with that? Like, where does that go? <laughs> where does that go? And how do you fit two of them in at the same time? <laughs> do, do, you think, exactly. do you think that some of the stuff, like, is some of the stuff dangerous? I mean, everything's dangerous. I can use a hammer and become a serial killer. I can use a hammer and build a house. You could say the same thing about literally anything. Yeah, but I mean, but, when, when you no. see stuff that, you know, people shove up their ass or whatever it is, or people yeah. shove up their yeah. their vagina, whatever it is, I mean, some of it looks yeah. quite large. I mean, so yeah. when the designers make these things, is there a point where they say, okay, we can't make it that big because, you know, we'd be sued because somebody would bust their ass open. So, <laughs> so I mean, is I mean, when they make these things, is, is there mm. regulations around how they make? No, there isn't, is there? I'm fooling myself. Yeah, there's ma- no, 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 no. There's massive. Yeah, they're massively regulated, and actually, the quality of the plastics, latex, steel, whatever the materials are used, are on par with medical grade in okay. many cases. So, some of my favorite sex toy companies were formerly medical device companies. So, the standards these days in the last 20 years has improved massively. So, if you buy it from any of the major retailers, the ones I just mentioned, Amazon, whatever. 
the standards are going to be extremely high. It's the cheap stuff you get from Wish.com and, you know, some of those other cheaper retailers. I'd be a yeah, little so bit don't, more hesitant don't about Don't buy but, our book yeah. plugs in Wish is what you're saying. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Stick, yeah, yeah. Buy local. Support your four local for 10 store. euro. Four for 10 euro on Wish. <laughs> <laughs> And, and what is the, I mean, <laughs> what is the most common, you know, sex toys that people are buying? Vibrators, I assume, or dildos? Yeah, vibrators and insertables are always classic ones. Bondage type of tools like, you know, handcuffs, rope, that sort of thing, also incredibly popular as well. But you have to be careful with bondage because I watched that movie going back about two years ago. Was it three years ago? So this guy is into bondage. and he, Oh, no, it was a girl. She's into bondage, wants the, the boyfriend to tie her up, okay? which is a kind of fantasy mm. a lot of people have, okay? So he ties yep. her to the four-poster bed, okay? She's stretched out, and, and they're in the middle. They go out. It was a weekend away in a, a log cabin in a forest somewhere, right? So she's stretched out on the bed, legs askew the whole lot, and he's about to give her one, and he's just about to give her one, and he has a heart attack and dies. Yeah. And she's yeah. strapped to the bed. And yeah. the whole movie is about these wolves circling the house, and she can't, she can't get off the bed. I see. You got to be careful when you're doing this kind of stuff, don't you? Yeah, it sounds like a terrible Netflix movie. Uh, <laughs> but there was no. But there was no I'm just, I'm no just visualizing the scene. That'll be my look. You know what I mean? For <laughs> <laughs> the first time, Niall does bondage. The wolves descend. <laughs> the wolves. The wolves. So, but I mean, is, do you have yeah. to? I mean, I know the safe words and all this kind of thing. So, what if somebody's mm. thinking about going down that route? What should they do? Should they get the you know the fancy schmancy stuff? Should they just use a scarf or something? I don't know. What should they do if they're thinking of going down that route? Okay, this is a great question. For beginners, I always advise people start this way. So there's the website called FetLife.com. It's the world's largest lifestyle site. There's something like 200 million. FetLife.com. Okay, yeah. Like fet, like fetish. F-E-T-L-I-F-E. Dot com. Um, there's also fabswingers.com for the swinging scene. These are the two largest lifestyle websites in the world for this kind of uh, for this kind of stuff. And I recommend that people create a profile for free. It's like basically kinky Facebook. And on there are huge amounts of resources of real people. So unlike other adult type websites where there'll be a lot of escorts and ads for porn and whatever, these are ad free sites. So it's basically only members who are members of the community. And the amount of educational resources that are on their events um, and just generally good information is a wonderful way to network with people. So I recommend that people create a profile, then attend munches. It's like lunch with an M. Munches, munches are basically <laughs> munches. Yep. Yeah. That does what it says on the tent. You know, it's a wonderful way for people to meet. And it's basically it's a vanilla clothes gathering. So vanilla be the opposite of kink. People go in their regular jeans and t-shirt to a pub or restaurant, et cetera, and meet other people who are in the lifestyle. And the best way to get started is to, is to learn from those who've been doing it for a long time. For the more timid people who are not interested in going out and getting involved in the community, I recommend that they reach out to educators. That would be people like myself. Um, there's another great kink educator in Ireland. Her name is Aoife Murray, and her website is thekinkmother.com, and she's a really great teacher that can teach people the skills because, to your point, people can actually hurt themselves absolutely uh, if they do this incorrectly. So I recommend like the community looks out for people and older senior members. Because if you, yeah, because, sorry for interrupting, yeah. because if you do hurt yourself or you do it wrong, you're not going to want to do it again, and that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like a lot of times for people, these fantasies are really pervasive. And so we'll try and try again. But we always want to encourage people to do it as safely, sanely, and consensually, which is SSC. That's the mantra that we live behind is safe, sane, and consensual or risk-aware consensual cake rack is another acronym. And this is what governs everything that we do mm-hmm. and everything that we advocate for is, is to be safe, sane, and consensual. And it's pretty good I, advice for life in general. Do you, or, by <laughs> really, way, do, do you organize parties as well? I know Tom was on last night with the I, Irish Swingers. Do, do you organize parties? Yeah, I do indeed, yeah. Okay. Are you featured actually with Lucy Kennedy recently on TV on Virgin that's, Media? That's right. Yeah. So she came to an event that I called the swing, it's Swingsters. So it's a combination of the over, Venn diagram overlap between swing and kink. And um, yeah, so I host those types of events. There would be play parties in private venues uh, in Dublin and throughout Ireland as well. Okay. And they're successful. They have good crowds turn up for them or... <laughs> Yeah, they do. It's always a lovely group. Now we do vetting and like this is my first pro tip for everybody. If you want to go to an event, make sure that the people who go to those events, especially play parties, are vetted. Vetted in what respect? That they're not no cases. Yeah. So, so in other words, some some drunken you know, fella on the street can't just roll up and walk into the door. I'm looking for a ride. (laughs) Yeah, looking for the ride. Exactly, yeah. Don't want that. I'm loving your Irish accent there, Kim, by the way. I I apologize. It's a hate crime, I know, my Irish accent. Okay, there's loads of questions coming in, okay? Uh, people want yeah, to... yeah, I love it. Okay, does she deal with women who want to feel sexy after having kids? Can she recommend anything asking for a friend? Yeah. Okay, so so uh, that, that's a common problem, uh, isn't it? Women after having kids, they just don't feel sexy. Maybe the vagina is not what it used to be. You know, the, the pelvic mm-hmm. floor muscles aren't working straight or whatever it happens to be. So they want to feel sexy. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We all pee when we do squat girl. Don't worry about it. Yeah, absolutely. I do. <laughs> absolutely. I do. I um, love working. Actually, like I work mostly with women these days and women in, in gay or straight configuration couples. And absolutely. I, I strongly recommend there's lots of classes and there's lots of help resources I can recommend. Um, Jenny Keen is a great sex educator in Ireland and she's Jenny com, And she is a, massive advocate and she actually i mean she has a live event going on on april 1st she sold out vicar street in a day and it's all about women reclaiming their bodies after childbirth and those sorts of things she's okay. a legend okay yeah, okay some of the other cool. ones here okay I, I i want my girlfriend to use a butt plug what should i say to her my ex was very adventurous i miss it but love my girlfriend okay so yeah, yeah so it's so always think- okay so whether it's a butt plug or no matter what it is if you want to do something kinky and you think that your mm. other half is a bit conservative, it's all, even though you might love them, it's a kind of difficult one to bring up, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I always advocate um, that people start off any conversation before they have sex with the STARS model. So the STARS is sexual health and STI status, turn-ons, avoids, relationship intentions, expectations, and safe sex requirements. So I, I think it's really good that people at the beginning of the relationship, now obviously in this case for this person, it sounds like they've already been involved in a relationship for a long time. And I think that the best way to have the conversation is openly and frankly, which is, hey, this feels good. A lot of times for men who like to receive ass play, which is PS, most men, it feels good. You're anatomically engineered to enjoy it. 
But for most men, they feel like it might be slightly gay or it's stigmatized or they don't want to ask for things in the bedroom because they're used to being the one who determines the sexual tone and the pace. And they're usually like the top or the dominant. And so it's weird to put themselves in a different role. Okay. So and you, so most and men I, would enjoy yeah. that, but they're afraid to ask. Okay. All right. Here's what exactly. I, yeah. I want a vibrator, but I'm afraid it will make my sex life crap. Is that possible? Okay. So I, I understand the point that she's making. So would she get too used to the vibrator? Because the vibrator might be better than a penis. No, misnomer. Actually, the clitoris is an amazing uh, nerve. It's like like a, like two kilometers long if you were to unfurl the entire thing, and it, you can't oversensitize or desensitize yourself. So don't worry about that. Now, somebody, somebody mentions a clitoris earlier on, earlier, and just says, "Can you yeah. ask that lady how I can find my clitoris? Because it seems to be so small, I actually can't find it. I've even asked my partner to carefully look for it, but in, but he still hasn't found it yet. Okay, so I'm assuming like <laughs> the. People ask the oddest questions. I'm assuming, like penises, they come in different sizes. That's that's very true. They do. I mean, no two people are built the same. So you know this idea of like a G spot, right? Which is on the interior of of the vagina. So clitoris is on the external part. The vulva is at the top of the labia minora, and. Uh, you know, there's really great infographics. So you can follow my web, my my website. I have got tons of infographics about how to find it and how to work it. But there's this misnomer about the G spot that is a separate nerve cluster. It's actually a misnomer. All the nerve clusters within the vagina and women's reproductive organs in general are on the same nerve thread as the clitoris. It's just one big nerve string. It just goes everywhere, much like men and their penis. So it's the underhead of the of the of the head of the penis is also connected to the same nerve cluster that's next to the prostate and that's responsible for men's ejaculation and erection and everything else it's the reason why men who have prostate cancer have such a difficulty mm-hmm. you know because the, the nerves are also damaged so how so how does it, this is it, not a question by the way on the on the text i'm just asking you this so how does a bloke yeah. fi- if he wants to find a woman's g-spot how does he know he's got the right spot yeah, so usually it's about like two knuckles in. There's a ridge as you insert. You're like, I'm put, I'm pantomiming my hand. And yeah, I, I'm, by the way, I'm just doing the same here now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, my producer Jane is taking notes outside. By the way, can I just point out? <laughs> good, good. Text me afterwards. Yeah, so you sent two, two knuckles in and two knuckles in on like the, the the middle finger, and basically there's a ridge, there's a lump, there's a cluster. It's about the size of a walnut when it's engorged. And that's generally where the G spot is. And the more a woman is stimulated and the more uh, aroused she becomes, it becomes almost direct, almost like a penis. And so it'll start to push back and swell. That's yeah. actually also how you can make women squirt because it's right next to the skein's gland. Women's wasp? Did yeah. you just say, sorry? That's how you. That's how you... Uh, you can make women squirt. It, oh, okay. Women squirt. Okay, Female ejaculation. Female ejaculation, okay. Um, somebody else says, can you ask her her opinions on porn? Okay, so what are your opinions? What is your stance on porn? Do you believe porn is good for a relationship? Because many people believe, of course, that, you know, if a guy is watching too much porn, he's not going to get excited about them by his missus because she doesn't look like a porn star or doesn't act like a porn star. So is too much porn bad for men and women? No, I th- I, there's a fine line. This, again, goes back to too much of a good thing. Exercise can be great or you can exercise until you tear a muscle. Um, porn is, I think, much the same way where I think it's great to get ideas. I, but porn is to real sex as like action movies is to real life. Like you can't jump off 
the second story of a two-story building and land on your knees and then get up and run, you know, or run away. Like, this much the same way you can't, you know, like it, the expectations that are set in porn are unrealistic to sex. Yeah. So yeah. I think you have to go in with it incredulous. Like this is meant to be titillating and stimulating and a tool to excite and escalate our sex lives, but not a replacement for. Would you and watch Would you, you watch porn because, with your partner when you're having sex? Would you watch porn at the same time or would you watch porn for warm yeah. up or whatever it is? Yeah, I have, have done in the past. I go, we go through phases. Absolutely. What about what about? I don't advocate. I, I know you're into mad stuff, you know. But what about what mm. about people? You know, are into nutty stuff where they start stapling each other and I don't know hammering mm. nails yeah, into yeah. each other and all sorts of things. I mean, that yeah. then you're venturing into dangerous situation and dangerous territory, aren't you? You know, there's a difference though between again, like we have to really differentiate between fantasy and desire. So fantasy, like people fantasize about, like, I want to sleep with my brother's wife. I don't have a brother, but I'm really making this up. Uh, But, you know, I want to sleep with my brother's wife. I don't actually want to sleep with my brother's wife, but I might actually fantasize about that in order to get myself to a state of arousal. Why is that sexy? It's sexy because it's taboo, but it doesn't mean it's a thing I actually want to do. And when we talk about more hardcore edge play type kinks, we have to differentiate between watching it and finding it arousing versus actually doing it in real life. Mm. And I, I have seen some hardcore mad shit, but I would not advocate that the average person gets into that. And I definitely would never advocate that they start that way. I do understand finding it arousing and erotic. Like I used to be one of those people, unless there's tears, I'm not turned on. But you know, I mean, we, we, we talked about it on the TV like, when we were on television, we talked about this idea of choking each other. And and you said mm. you thought that was okay once it's consensual. And I was saying, to I you, thought well, you had to pay me for it though first. <laughs> but I, but I thought <laughs> I said to you that what happens if you choke somebody and they they go unconscious, even though it was consensual? Yeah. Surely you have some level of responsibility. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, it, totally. And this is where this is why I advocate for people getting involved in the community just for the educational aspect or reaching out to educators like myself. So I trained an apprentice for three years underneath prodoms that were very famous in Los Angeles, uh, world famous probably by any reckoning, in, in order to learn my craft. Um, and what, you and teach them how to choke? Do you teach people how to choke each other without actually yes. hurting each other? Yes, yes, absolutely. That would be one of the many skills that we do because there's lots of ways to do it correctly that's very sexy and there's lots of ways to do it wrong <laughs> that are very dangerous. Yeah, of course. And so different, yeah. Okay. So I, it's I, knowing I, how to, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, somebody says, how common is it for men to enjoy male-on-male porn but still be straight? Super common. Incredibly common. It's taboo. Cross-dressing, trannies, uh, uh, male-on-male, forced by male subjugation, cuckolding, super, super insanely common. I believe cuckolding is like the fourth largest kink in the world by population. And to explain to people, cuckolding is basically you watching your missus or your husband having sex with somebody else, and you sit there on your hands watching. Not that's that is the essence of it, but there's a difference between cuckolding and hot wifing. And they look the same on paper, but what's actually happening is in cuckolding, the eroticism for the male party, the husband in this in this made up scenario, is actually the fact that he's being forced to. It's the humiliation, the degradation, and the fact that his power is being taken away by a more alpha type male, air quotes alpha. 
the other dynamic is hot wifing where men like to stud out their wives. So they have the dominant power and it's the fact that they're treating their wife like, you know, a filthy cum dumpster or whatever that is in the core eroticism for them. So it's actually them objectifying their partners versus them being objectified. So on paper, it looks the same. The psychology of what's happening is different. Okay. Well, look, if people want more information, clarity, you're a world of knowledge. I'm going to have to get you on again because so many people... Uh, yeah, they, they, I, there's loads more questions here. I could spend the whole night asking you questions. Um, and they're, they're, I Yeah, I, I could spend the whole night. There's a, there's a heap of questions there. Some of them, I, I, I don't even understand what they're all about. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. Every day is a classroom. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, somebody says here, well, I just read out this one. Are kinks always a way to work out childhood trauma or to correct some uh. insecurity? Or can some of them um, stem purely from pleasure? Maybe just answer that one quickly. Oh, I love that question. It's such a great question. So uh, they oftentimes, shame is often the birthplace for a lot of kink. However, uh, preference, extreme preferences as well. There's plenty of kinks that we didn't talk about. We only talked about the extreme ones here, but sensory play, really erotic feathers, ice. It just feels great. And that's super duper, duper common as well. So yeah, not just from childhood trauma and shame, but also from really just personal preference and enjoyment. Okay. Well, look, Clarity Mills, it's been lovely talking to you. What's what's your website again, by the way, if people want to go to it? Do you have a website at the moment? I do. It's dominaclarity.com, kinkify.me. Um, also, I've got to plug two other events. Sorry, guys. I just love the... Plug away. Plug away. Okay. Thank you. So for those who are interested in getting involved in the swing scene, there's wearemv.com. They actually have an event tomorrow night. They're my favorite swingers event in Ireland. And then the other event that's happening next week, which I'm trying to pressure Niall Boylan into going. Come on. How do you know I haven't been there already? Huh? (laughs) I know, I know. know. I'm I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Is is nivnoc.ie. So nivnoc is the Irish word for poise, and it's spelled N-I-M-H-N-A-C-H dot I-E. And they have an event on the 1st of April. It's in the city center of Dublin. I'll be there. You guys can come and ask me all your questions in person. It's a really great time. Clarity, it's been a pleasure uh, once again speaking to you. And I'm, and I'm sure we will speak to you Likewise. again. All right, thank you very yes, much. Sir, anytime. Niall Boylan has been told to shut up from the time he was in school. But all through his life, they just keep telling him to shut up. But not anymore. Because now he has his own live podcast. The Niall Boylan Podcast. 